Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast with me, Jason Dean, in partnership with Luno Wallet and Exchange and Siberia Mine. Here we talk about all things Bitcoin and all things financial and try and make some sense of them. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then I'll give you some contact details at the end of this podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, just leave a comment below. Now, before we get stuck into today's extremely topical question, I just want to acknowledge Luno's support in helping make this podcast possible. Luno is one of the world's leading cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges, trusted by over 7 million customers in 40 different countries. And it's no secret if you follow me on Twitter, Medium or Voice.com that I've been recommending Luno for some time. And I love recommending Luno for people who might be new to the world of cryptocurrency because it's very pretty, it's very intuitive, and it's an easy and secure way to buy, exchange or hold Bitcoin and other cryptos such as Litecoin, XRP, Ethereum and so on. Now, even better, CryptoCompare's exchange benchmark report that came out uh, in February 2021 confirmed Luno as one of only six AA-rated exchanges in the world. That's the very top score. So if you haven't used Luno or even Bitcoin before, simply go to luno.com for the details or download the app. That's Luno, L-U-N-O, on your Android or Apple device. And if you do that and you're over 18 and based in the UK or Europe, I'm going to give you £10 worth of Bitcoin courtesy of Luno absolutely free to get you started on the app. And the way I'll be doing that is by giving you a code at the end of this podcast, which will credit your account instantly when you enter it. Now, I should point out, it is a gift. The app is free. There are no monthly charges. There's no obligation to buy anything else. This is part of a campaign by Luno to introduce new people to Bitcoin. And the idea is to get around that initial hurdle we all have about using Bitcoin for the first time. You know, when you're paranoid about doing something wrong and losing your money. So Luno gives you this bit of Bitcoin so you can experiment with confidence before you commit your own funds. Of course, if you ever decide to do that. So you can keep it, sell it, move it to the savings account to get interest, give it to charity, whatever you want, it's yours. Secondly, as many of you know, I'm a veteran Bitcoin miner with an operation that runs entirely on excess renewable energy, which has the added advantage of being very cheap, based over in Siberia. Now, I've been doing a lot of podcasts and interviews about Bitcoin, the environment recently, and people have been asking me how to get into sustainable Bitcoin mining because it all seems so complicated, especially when you first look at it. But it's actually very, very easy to reap the rewards of mining these days, and of course, it's very profitable at the moment. So I'm pleased to say that in partnership with Siberia Mine, who I've been with for many years, I'm now able to offer an attractive referral arrangement that you can take advantage of here and now if you want. The link and details are in the program notes and all you do is sign up for an account to start with, which is where the link will take you to, and you can spend some time getting to know the setup and the dashboard before you jump in. But in the meantime, let's deal with something really important that just keeps coming up and probably will more so as time goes on. And it's all based around this question. Are you too late to buy Bitcoin? Have you missed the boat? Well, let's have a look at where we are, where we've been and where we're going, because you might be surprised to find out just how early it really is. (laughs) 
Now, we all know that words are incredibly powerful. I mean, the right words at the right time can change the world, both positively or negatively. And they can be equally as uplifting or devastating on our own psyche if we let them. So perhaps the most dangerous combination of all is that simple construction comprising of just two apparently innocuous words. And those two words are, if only. Now, it's easy to get lost down this rabbit hole of infinite possibilities and imaginary living your life from certain points with different choices. A bit like playing a level in a video game with the benefit of knowing what's coming next so you could go back and get a better score next time round. Now, of course, we can't do that with life. And in fact, thinking like this just isn't very helpful. In fact, it can actually do quite a bit of damage and prevent you from making the right choices in the present. So with what's going on with Bitcoin at the moment, with its at the time I'm recording this, the price is about $58,000, it seems like there's a whole load of if onlying going on about buying it in the early days. So it's very easy to think that you missed out on the big money days through ignorance or poor decision making. But really, how much of this holds up under scrutiny? How much of this is actually illusion? Well, I'm going to share with you uh, my own story, and that might help you put this all into context a little bit. Now, I discovered Bitcoin either at the end of 2013 or the beginning of 2014. Um, to be honest, I've never been entirely sure. I just remember I was reading an article about it on a newspaper um, on a train coming from um, Reading, uh, where I was working at the time, and being quite sort of confused by the whole thing and I know it was winter because it was very dark outside and it was early in the day so um, but I can't remember exactly which year it was but in any event Bitcoin was less than five years old and was only a few hundred dollars if that at the time now I was fascinated by it and I sort of elected to sort of research this and buy into it and then I started reading a whole load of articles and most of them were pretty badly written to be honest and or some of them were very very technical and both of those styles were really sort of indicative of what was available at that time it was a bit of a mess however I did decide I would risk enough money to buy just two bitcoin now at the time that wasn't a huge amount of money but it was enough to be in the game but it was also clear that I didn't really understand it. I couldn't get my head around how it worked, why it was only digital, and who controlled it. And every time I googled the answers, I got more and more confused. And then while trying to find those answers, I made the fatal mistake of starting to read the opinions of anti-Bitcoin heavyweights such as Peter Schiff and Nouriel Rabini. Now, those guys were, and actually still are, utterly convinced Bitcoin was in its last days and would soon collapse to zero. Remember, this is 2013, 2014. So as you can see, these guys still haven't changed their tune some six, seven, possibly even eight years later, which is quite an astonishing thing in itself. Now, in particular, they did point to previous attempts to create non-sovereign money, a couple of which I'd actually even heard of. And this, unfortunately, added apparent credibility to their claims that Bitcoin would soon be doomed. So in my mind, the game was over long before it even started. I mean, who was I to argue with these sort of economic heavyweights? So clearly, I was about to throw my money away. But 
at the time, I thought, luckily they saved me and it would be three years before I would venture back into the world of cryptocurrency again. Now, of course, you know, you could argue that Rubini and Schiff cost me a small fortune while they continued their own undoubtedly well above average earning and investment trajectory. Those two Bitcoin would now be worth about $116,000. Now, that is significant money in anyone's book. So it's easy to get sort of bitter and twisted about this, but at the same time, there's another part to this. Here's the question that you have to ask yourself. If I had managed to buy those Bitcoin, which let's face it also was very difficult. In those days, it was a bit crazy. You're never quite sure if you were going to get your Bitcoin if you were handing your money over. Even if I had gone through all of that and I'd held those Bitcoin and bought them at the time, would I still be holding them now? Now, here's why this is an important question. It has taken me years of reading for several hours every day, writing and researching aspects of Bitcoin for me to properly and really understand why I should be holding my Bitcoin, regardless of what price does in the short term. But once it sinks in, you simply can't go back. So when you consider how easily swayed I was by two people I now know had a, no vested interest in my future, and B, a vested interest in Bitcoin not succeeding, how likely would it have been that I'd have managed to hold onto them if I got them at that point? Now, if I'm brutally honest with myself, the reality is that I probably would have dumped at least one of them the second it doubled in price although it's likely I probably would have held a little until now, probably at least half a Bitcoin, I think. Now, I know this because I have a hard time fully liquidating any position that I think has any sort of future. And if I'm completely honest, even further with myself, sometimes I have a hard time liquidating a position that I know doesn't have a future. And this is exactly where there are traders who are far better than me out there. However, one thing is for sure, I wouldn't be looking at the $116,000 that could have been possible. So if we know that is the case, what can we learn from this? Well, the first thing to understand is that it is all an illusion because it is so easy to say, oh, if I'd invested just $100 in 2010, I'd have been a multimillionaire by now. And of course, that is true as far as the actual numbers go, but that's the only basis in reality which we can categorically agree on. You see, you almost certainly would not have invested your $100 at that time, even if I had personally explained to you how it was all going to work. I mean, would you really have parted with your hard-earned money on a project that seemed completely illegal, was seemingly run by people who were crazy or who were dreamers or complete techies, um, nerds. Some of them seemed a bit scammy. Would your brain really have let you own something that didn't even physically exist long before we understood the concept of digital scarcity? And let's just go with this. Let's just say we did manage to get past all those objections. How on earth were you planning to buy it? You've got to understand, in the early days, it was next to impossible unless you knew the right people or where to go. And, you know, you've got to remember, it's all so easy now, isn't it? Knowing what you do now and how it all plays out. But at the time, you would have had the same uncertainty as you do today if you're looking at Bitcoin for the first time. 
After all, if Bitcoin did actually hit that most optimistic forecast of $1 million per coin at some point in the future, wouldn't you consider buying one now at around $58,000 as an absolute bargain as a result? So what's stopping you? Well, the reality is it's the same uncertainty as when it was pennies. The fact is, it's only the numbers themselves that are different. And the other thing is, being a first mover is far more complicated than you think it is. Yes, it is about being in the right place at the right time. And remember, that can either be as a result of luck or by judgment. Both of those things are absolutely valid. But taking just one step of extreme faith is not enough. There is actually a much bigger second part to this. And that is the ability to maintain belief through storms of doubt that you and I can't even begin to imagine. And now in reality, that's the part that you get rewarded for. And in practice, only a tiny percentage of people can actually do it. So now that we agree that this scenario is probably nothing more than make-believe when you put it under serious scrutiny, where do we find ourselves now? How does it help us make any decisions with what's going forward? The thing is, you might feel it's simply too late to buy Bitcoin because you just can't forgive yourself for not buying it sooner. $10,000 seems so expensive at the time, didn't it? But with the benefit of hindsight, of course, we now consider that price to be extraordinarily cheap. Now, this is also largely because we're dealing with the top line price. Now, this is the one that hogs all of the limelight. So a whole Bitcoin may now be trading north of $58,000, but a single Bitcoin is actually made up of 100 million units called Satoshi in honor of its rather mysterious creator, Satoshi Nakamoto. The easiest way to think about that is like um, cents in a dollar. It's just that there's a hell of a lot more cents available in that dollar. Now, the reality is that most of us will only ever be dealing with Satoshi in the future because owning a whole coin will be next to impossible unless you're one of the super rich, uh, very early adopter or an institution. But buying and holding Satoshi or SATs as they're colloquially referred to is a sensible move that will cost you very little to do even today. So in fact, at the time of recording this, you can get 1,705 Satoshi or SATs for a single US dollar. So that's around 10,000 SATs for what you would normally spend on a tall latte in New York. Now, that, in my view, is a total bargain. And you know what? As a bonus, you'd still be classed as early to the party. And let me explain why. Now, there are lots of technical reasons, uh, which we're not going to go into here, why we can never be entirely sure of the number of people using Bitcoin or other crypto assets. But in late 2020, the third global crypto asset benchmarking study from Cambridge University estimated total users to be around 101 million. Now, by January 2021, a prominent analyst with the unforgettable name of Willy Woo put that figure a little higher at, with an estimate of around 135 million. So we can't be sure, but let's guess it's somewhere between the two. The thing we do know for sure is that number is increasing and the trend is ever upwards. 
Now, we can be certain of that because with the price levels that Bitcoin has achieved in the last few months, we also know that the major wallet and exchanges have seen sign-up levels in the tens of thousands of day, and some have struggled to cope as a result. There's lots of documentation out there right now about how people have struggled with customer service because they just didn't expect this influx. And right now, if you're waiting for a response from a, a wallet or exchange, you're, it's going to be quite a long time they are all working on it and it is something they're all trying to sort out but it is a bit of a mess right now now that means we can say two things for sure so first that the number of users has started to grow at an ever increasing rate as the network effect takes hold and second and this is quite astonishing the percentage of people on the planet who currently use cryptocurrencies is far less than two percent probably even 1.5%, even with the highest estimate possible in play. Now, of course, these numbers are almost certainly set to rocket as PayPal enables its 346 million users to buy, hold or spend Bitcoin on its platform with its 26 million or so merchants this year. It's already available actually in the US. It's coming to the UK and Europe in the second half of this year, we're told. And at the same time, Visa and MasterCard have been enhancing their systems to deal with all currencies, including cryptocurrencies as well because they obviously want all this crypto spending to be used on their networks now all of this is significant because after all who doesn't use one of those payment systems so you've got to ask yourself the question what happens when bitcoin usage surges to say five percent of the global population um, that's what close to that's over three times probably what we have at the moment or what about 10% or 20%? The network effect at that stage would be staggering. Bitcoin would be an asset with a value well into the trillions of dollars, assuming all this happened. But right now, we can be certain that over 98% of the planet does not use Bitcoin. And if you really think about that for a minute, that's pretty astonishing. So let's try and put all of that into context and see what we can make of it. So the first thing is to be realistic. You are almost certainly never going to be in the right place at the right time to turn that $100 into $100 million. And even if by the luck of the gods you actually were, you would have sold those early Bitcoin as soon as they hit a couple of bucks for a tidy dollar profit. And the reality is that probably would have hurt more than never having them in the first place. The other thing is, like any new development, it takes everyone a different amount of time to get comfortable with the new way of doing things. Now, whether that's a car, a telephone, television, or even the internet itself, adoption by society always follows a predictable curve. And that means that certain people will always adopt it very quickly, and people, other people will always adopt it at a different stage of that curve, depending on where they feel comfortable. So just like everything else, money is a product of our latest technology. Bitcoin is simply the next natural step, but it is a big one and it does take a bit of getting your head around. So the point is, if you've arrived at the metaphorical dock and are disappointed that there is no HMS Bitcoin in sight now, don't panic. It's not actually because you've missed it. It's because it's still in the dry dock being fitted out. We're still building the damn thing. Tickets, however, 
are available right now. And after what we've been through today, well, perhaps you might think it's a good idea to get some. But of course, I'll leave that up to you. Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments or questions on this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jason A. Dean. Or if you'd like to know more on the subject of Bitcoin and finance in general, then join me on Medium at jasonadean.medium.com. Now, don't forget the E at the end of Dean when you're typing that in, or you won't find me, of course. Now, I promised you £10 worth of Bitcoin at the start of this podcast if you're new to Luno or Bitcoin, and here are the details you need. All you should do is open your newly installed Luno app and type in the code I'm about to give you. But I should also say, if you haven't verified your account yet, you must do that first. It only takes a minute. The reason is, if you try and enter this code on an unverified account, it will not accept it. And then once you get verified, it will think you've already entered it. You do it by going to Profile, Settings, Verification, and it's the usual mugshot and ID that you use on all banking apps these days, and it's usually processed within a couple of minutes. Once done, and you only have to do it once of course, you just go to the section called Rewards at the bottom of the screen, press the Enter a Code button, and type in the following. PDUK12X. That's Papa Delta Uniform Kilo 12 X ray. And well, that's it. Your £10 in Bitcoin will be credited instantly. If you're in Europe, of course, it'll be the equivalent of £10. You can use that £10 just to play with the app and explore it, but of course you can buy more Bitcoin easily once you're set up and go from there. Don't forget you can now earn 4% interest on your crypto by moving it to the saving wallet built into the app, which is of course about 4% more than you can get in the bank right now. T's and C's apply when saving and you can check those out when you first transfer it over. There's also 4% on Ethereum at the time of recording this and 7.6% on USDC. So I'll leave that all with you and I'll see you next time on the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast. <music>